Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. It's time to get green. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser are in the house. All natural. No pesticides. No artificial ingredients. The Organic Gardeners. News Radio 1020 KDK. All right, time to talk gardening with the organic gardeners from TripLive.com. Of course, it is Doug Oster, EverybodyGardens.com, Jessica Walliser, and they've got a lot to talk about, appearances up and coming, whatever they're writing about, and of course, is there a book in the works? You're going to find out all of that. And of course, the whole idea behind the program is for you to call in with those gardening questions, and the early bird does get the worm, so get on the phone right now and give us a call, 866-391-1020. And let's begin by giving away a $25 gift certificate to one of our great sponsors who's been here since day one, the Sorgel family out in Wexford. That's 412-922-1020. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Doug and Jess. Good morning. Good morning, Doug Oster from the Tribune Review and EverybodyGardens.com. And I'm horticulturist Jessica Walliser. Can you remember a season that's gone this long without a frost? And can I remember a Sunday morning that the kayak wasn't attached to the back of your truck? <laughs> this is the first a nice week day like in today. forever where it's going to be a beautiful day and you haven't had your kayak, but you have some family stuff today so that's yeah I'm maybe sure the fish maybe, will forgive you maybe today. this afternoon the fish will forgive you i'm today. on vacation i'm officially on vacation so uh, what are you doing here well i don't want to miss the show <laughs> this is fun this is not really yeah, work right work. yeah yeah but it's it is seven in right. the morning but it's not work it's a, it is a super long growing season like it is crazy i was just at a friend of mine's farm uh, earlier this week and uh, she was still picking tomatoes. Yeah. I mean, it's just I talked crazy. to somebody yesterday, Amazing. too, that was still picking tomatoes. I'm not. Mine, mine are mine done. Mine are done, too. Uh, yeah. it, it was some people, from what I was hearing, had the best tomato season, but others, like me, had a tough year because of the rain. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, and then I was talking to somebody yesterday, lost most of their garlic due to the rain, just kind of mm. rotted away. So mm. everybody had a different season, but yeah, a long one. And, uh, and it's still going. I still don't think going. there's frost in the long-range forecast, still going. so we I'm could exci- get a couple. I'm excited to have days. all my cool weather crops, and I'm going to continue to plant those. I'm, you know, of course, still planting garlic. I'm. Uh, I call myself Little Johnny Garlic Seed because I have seven pounds of garlic, and I'm giving it out to different people. <laughs> Last night, I gave it to somebody I give annually, um, Sister Trudy. I was at the Change of Heart Gala as a celebrity bartender. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> are you hung over today? Oh no, you were serving. You were drinking. I was drinking. serving. Gotcha. I wasn't okay. drinking. Okay, much. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so it's just she's. We had the. I've been doing the event for I don't know how many years, but I met her in the kitchen years ago, and she was making hors d'oeuvres for the event. And we started talking garlic, and I convinced her to plant some back then. And now every year she plants garlic, so it's just fun. Uh, I got the garlic from the Garlic King of Millvale. Okay, my friend Tom. So Walker. you're a pusher now. You're a garlic. Well, pusher. he said. He said. Yeah. Uh, I told him about who who was some of the garlic was going to go to, and he says, "What are you trying to stink your way to heaven?" <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I can get there. <laughs> you, you got to buy some bribes with yeah. the big guy somehow. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> just so much fun funny. to 
to go around and give the garlic to people. Yeah. Uh, and I, you know, I got to I, I call I you like the little garlic it. fairy, you know, yeah. just running around sprinkling <laughs> uh, garlic dust wherever you go. I you should do that. You should get some like garlic powder and oh, just that's, like that's sprinkle right. it over their head when you give them the garlic clothes. <laughs> like you've been christened by the garlic fairy, you know, my garlic's all in. I'm good to go on that, which is really great. Do you need any more or not? I didn't think I you don't. did. Okay, I don't. Good, no, good. I mean, I, I have didn't throw it in the car today, but yeah. I've got a Thank bunch you, left and, um, I'm going to fishing camp uh, this week, so it's in Amish country, and I'm going to save some for the Amish caretaker and the woman who takes care of the inside of the house that lives across the street. And they're always excited, whether I come spring or fall, with whatever I bring for them to plant. And it's yeah. fun. Fun. To, it's just fun to see when you give away plants to anybody, plants or bulbs or whatever it is, and and maybe you get them hooked, or just to see how they they do with it. You know, I love to get the report when I go back. Especially when you only see somebody once a yeah. year like that, to just sort yeah. of, that's like the connecting thread for you through all of that, which is great. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited. Actually, I'm not, not excited for a frost, because when frost happens, I have to move all those big giant plants on my patio down into the garage, which is not much fun. But I am excited for frost because we have the best Brussels sprout crop, probably, mm-hmm. that we have ever grown. We have about six plants, and they've, oh, they've got Gosh, gotta be awesome. almost up to my shoulder like they're wow. huge loaded with big fat sprouts uh but i want them to get sweetened by frost a few times before we harvest them and i'm gonna you know since there's so darn many of them they'll be in the garden yeah for a i long wonder time. how long you'll be able to go i bet you'll be able to go to at least january i hope right, so i mean think? it depends on how cold Feb- uh, december gets but uh you when know. would you when if when the weather really breaks might get to really cold yeah when would you think it'd be cold enough where you'd have to take all your Brussels sprouts out where you'd have to oh, harvest. Like temperature wise, yeah. how cold? 17 or something I, like that? Yeah, or? yeah, I'd say even down into the 20s on a regular basis, like during the days and things too, you would want, like they can handle a cold night, but uh, you know, consistently cold days like that, I would get them out of there. And what I do basically is I just cut the whole stem, remove all the leaves, but leave all the sprouts on the stem. And then I just take that whole big stem and I put it in a brown paper bag and put it in the bottom of the uh, crisper drawer of the fridge. And they can just sit in there. And then whenever you want the sprouts, you just break them off. How, what is your favorite way to make them? You can also put them in the like a shed or something that way, too, or a garage. Like um, unheated space. Yeah. Like, yeah. Unheated, but not going to be like super, super cold, hard yeah. freezing. Right. Uh, my favorite way, oh my gosh, I just love them like halved and um, cooked with some garlic and onions. Yeah, yeah. that's um, how I like to do it. I also like them like um, roasted. And like cut in half and then roasted, coated in olive oil and roasted in the mm. oven. A little mustard seed on them, maybe some mm. uh, paprika. Yeah, lots of ways to make bacon. them. Bacon. A little bit of bacon, a little bit of crumbled bacon. bacon never bacon, heard bacon, anything. Bacon. Yeah, bacon, bacon, <laughs> especially bacon. anything in the cabbage family is made better with bacon, for sure. Well, I, I had an interesting story um, that posted on the web where I interviewed somebody. It was their very first time planting bulbs. Shelby Stockline. Is 21 years old. She's the greenhouse manager at Chapman's Greenhouse, and she had just planted her first bulbs the fall before and got to see uh, parrot tulips bloom Mm -hmm. and large mixed crocus bloom. And then I talked to this woman who has the longest last name I've ever heard of, Joanne Van Den Berg Olms, uh, who runs uh, John Sheeper's Beauty from Bulbs and Van Englen Wholesale Bulbs, whose whole life has been revolving around bulbs. Her family has, uh, you know, her Dutch family has sold bulbs since the beginning of time, basically. <laughs> and and it was wonderful to talk to both of those people, and they both had the same kind of enthusiasm for bulbs, mm-hmm. even though one was just starting her journey of discovery, and then another one spent her, she, even though she spent her whole life 
planting bulbs, the things that she said about what she gets out of uh, those spring bulbs, those spring blooms, uh, was really wonderful. She had just great things to say. And I'm almost now begging people to plant bulbs, mm. <laughs> you know, because every year the nurseries, they they're basically have less and less because mm -hmm. people aren't aren't uh, planting them like we used to. And I just love doing it. And I'm telling you, that bulb auger for me, that's the way to do it. Mm -hmm. Just having an auger and, and putting on a drill and you could put in 100 tulips in, you know, 10, 15 minutes. It makes it easy. So if you're so inclined, put some bulbs in and you'll be so glad you did in the spring. There's a daffodil called lingerie. That's a double that I have to have. I'm not even going to ask. And on that note, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, a quick dress change, and we'll be right back. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's say congratulations to Joyce from Pittsburgh, the winner of that $25 gift certificate to Sorkles out in Wexford. Lots of calls for these two who happen to be Doug and Jess. The Organic Gardeners are on the air. Let's begin with Jim in the South Hills. Hey, Jim, how you doing? Good morning. Good, good, Rob. Uh, Jessica, Doug, how are you guys? Good. How are you doing? Good. Well, not to let you feel bad or nothing, yesterday I picked kale, big tomatoes, little tomatoes, Zucchini and red hot peppers. Hang up nice. on them, Rob. Nice. And my, and my garden's still going, but I got to rip it out today, uh, just because uh, I got some manure coming, oh, and I wanted man. to know what procedure to do with the manure and how thick should I put it on. And the garden will be rotted till today, but the concept is that when do I rotate till the manure into the garden? Uh, once this, you know, the basically the winter's over. Okay, so let me ask you this first: Is this manure already aged and composted? To my knowledge, yes. The gentleman said it's, uh, it's, uh, you know, real good manure, meaning you know it's it's been aged. Okay, so th that's with, critical, though. It is like I okay, can't let's even assume it's not. Okay, let's just assume it's not. Then the, what's the procedure? Don't okay. get it. Yeah, well, no, you can still get it. But the uh, the deal is that the uh, USDA's organic National Organic Standards, that, that manure at very, very minimum has to be composted properly for a minimum of 120 days before it comes in contact with any food crops. I, I always say it should be composted for at least a year because of potential pathogens like E. coli and all those other issues. You really have to be careful when using manure in the garden. So I would always say, tell people, unless you know the exact source and how long it's sitting there, I mean, are they adding fresh manure to the top of the pile? If they're doing that, you could have cross-contamination even with the manure that's been sitting there for I mean, a is year. This, is this coming from like a... It's coming from South Park. Like a guy or like a... Yeah, well, it's coming from a farm out in South Park. The gentleman has a lot of, uh, of uh, uh, you know, horses out there Okay. Uh, that he boards. And uh, it basically, uh, we were just told uh, people use it for their crops. Yeah. So if, if, yeah, you're, it on now. if you're putting it on in the fall and you know that it's old and aged manure, 
Um, Older than 20, 120 days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ideally, you, but that's composted properly. So okay. I, when you they say 120 days, they mean composted properly. They just don't mean it can't just come out and sit there for 120 Gosh, I, days. I, 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 so, can't, I can't believe that you're taking your garden out in this weather. I know that things have to be done, but oh, man. Can't you just let that manure sit in a pile somewhere yeah, and for then a while? put it on it when the season actually ends and, and go for like the world record longest season ever. Oh, God, that's what my wife said. She says she, she's tired of vegetables. She says all we're doing. Oh, jeez. She says, where does this end? She says, we're, we're, we're at the point where we're giving his stuff away. Well, that's good. Give it to the food pantry, yeah. you know? No, well, well we, there's a lot of food pantries in our neighborhood. neighborhood. Yeah. But, uh, so, okay, so if I put it on the garden, how thick do I put it on? Well, I wouldn't do too much because if you get real high nitrogen in there, then your uh, uh, crops that produce flowers and fruit, such as those tomatoes and peppers, yeah. if you have too much nitrogen on there from manure, that's going to sacrifice the fruit and flower production because you're going to have these big, tall, lush, super green plants with no fruits or vegetables. So I would say maybe an inch, an inch and a half. Yeah, I was going to double that. I was going to say three inches. But that's okay, now let's that's add, put much. it on. When do I turn it into the ground? Uh, well... Next spring? I would actually, uh, you know, okay. (laughs) It's a big, long, complicated thing, which I'll make it short and sweet. I would actually turn it in now. And the reason being because the microbes in your soil, if you're going to till now, I would wait till you have that manure spread and then till it in because those microbes in the soil are going to help break down any pathogen issues in there. So if you do put it on your garden this fall, you work it into the soil, that's going to help break it down. And I was thinking, the soil's already been. Today, it will be technically all turned it's, as far as being so, uh, turned. Yeah. So I've got the, the, the soil tilled. Now, I put this, uh, the uh, uh, manure on. Yeah. Now, do I automatically till it again? I personally would. I, I mean, I don't, okay. I don't think it's, like, super wrong for you to not, but I just think you're going to get – because if you just put it on the top, the yeah. nutrients are going to take longer to be released because the microbial action isn't that – as good okay, so on the, the top. The ground itself, plus whatever's in the ground, will help yeah. break everything down and make sure right. it's been at least composted for 120 days. That would be the ideal situation. Leave, yes. that, leave a little corner with that kale in there, and then you might be yeah, picking, you, you might be picking kale all the way till like January. So. Yeah. Okay, one more quick question. These little bugs that are we I, they're like lightning bugs. What are those things? Uh, they we have be them on our house bugs. when the sun comes out and beats up against the garage door. It's loaded with these. They look like little lightning bugs. Are you sure you're not thinking about ladybugs? Well, ladybugs. No, no, no. Lightning bugs. You know, with the little tail that uh, flares at night. Uh, you know, the kids, yeah. kids call them, what, fly catchers or something today? Yeah, no, I know what ladybugs are, but I'm trying to think of something that would be collected on the outside of your house like that, that uh, other than so ladybugs. these are all over our house. Whenever the sun comes out, the garage door gets heated, the back wall gets heated. Oh. It, it, they look like... The, the stink, they, they look like they took the place of stink bugs. Yeah, so I wonder if they're box elder bugs. So I would uh, go, do you have a, online, do you have access to the internet? Oh, yeah. Okay, so Google box elder bugs and see box if that's what they bugs. are. Because box elder bugs are another insect that comes, you know, tries to overwinter in our house and will collect okay. like that. Uh, they're okay. not a big deal. They don't eat your house. They don't bite people. They just, that's just where they like to overwinter. So they're okay. not problematic, uh, but they are just considered a nuisance, basically. Okay, some of those uh, big tomatoes I picked, Doug, 
Uh, they're from your seeds too, by the way. Oh, that's oh, awesome! I don't remember me. I met you at the uh, the garden set, the home show. Right. Uh, okay, I'm and uh, so... you gave me some seeds, and I'm still using them. So. I'm so excited. Okay, I'll let somebody else get on the so phone. So excited for you! What a, what a great season for him, man! It, that's great. I know, right? I know. For, for, you know, when you're tired of vegetables, that, I would never tear that garden. Too many vegetables. There, there's no such thing. I'd never tear that garden out. <laughs> happy wife, happy life. One more quick recommendation, though, for him and anybody else listening that's talking about putting manure. On on the garden, uh, please use gloves when you do it and wash up very well afterwards because you don't want to risk uh, any pathogen. So just be careful when you're spreading it as well. Okay, that's it. I'm done with my manure safety rant. Hey, let's talk to uh... <laughs> manure safety with Jessica Walliser. <laughs> it's Anita. Hey, Anita, good morning. Welcome to the program. Oh, good morning. Hey, two things. Um, hey, Anita, I, thought... I called you yesterday. Oh, you did? Yeah, your voicemail's not set up. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, call me later. Hang up on her, Rob. Uh, no, don't do that. <laughs> Dog. Hey, um, I bought a, a native sweet spire plant, and I was wondering if there's anything, are there any problems with sweet spires, like any known pathogens or bugs that like sweet spire that I need to know? No, I mean, I have two of them at my house, and they're never touched by anything. I mean, occasionally a Japanese beetle might nibble on them a little bit, but they're certainly not a favorite of the Japanese beetle. Uh, I've never had any problems with what mine whatsoever. What is it? Whatsoever. What does it look like? Virginia Sweet Spire? Yeah. Uh, oh, my goodness. The red coloration in the fall is lovely. They've, it's a beautiful uh, white uh, panicles, creamy white panicles of flowers. Um, in the uh, late spring, it's it's a and then in the fall it turns a beautiful beautiful red. So um, yes, it's an all around good plant and it's great native plant as well. So if you're looking for something that's tough and native, where did you put, plant yours? Um, near the garden. Nice. And um, do you, do you have other flowering shrubs nearby, or is it just sort of there by itself? No, it's it's there. And then I have the butterfly bush. Um, well, the bird bath on the right right of the sweet spire, and then on the the other right, I have um, the butterfly bush there. Nice. So when I'm doing my dishes, I could see right out the window. I see all the beauty. <laughs> there That's you awesome. go. And uh, the you know all the butterflies love all those plants as well. So you'll get to see those little insect beauty yeah. too. Yeah. Well, yeah, I wouldn't and say there's the much to worry about with that. Oh, good. And then second, with Halloween near. Um, I thought I'd share some um, of nature's spooky plants. Um, there was a Venus flytrap, which is native to North and South Carolina, and the white baneberry, which is um, what Eastern North America. Uh-huh. And they said it, the berries look like doll's eyes, uh-huh. and, but it's poisonous to humans. Mm-hmm. But birds love it. And then the voodoo lily. I never saw this one. It was a snake-like lily. Mm-hmm. And they said it's a night-blooming flower, and it smells like rotten meat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the Dracula orchid, which is native to Mexico and South America. It has a dark dark cape. And yeah, I think that's, uh, I think that's Nos- Nosferatu uh, bloodiest. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, but it, it is beautiful. 
That's awesome. Well, thank you very Thanks much for, for sh- sharing those Halloween plants with us. Those are all some uh, pretty creepy and pretty great plants. Uh, and it's nice to hear that some of them are native to North America, which is always a good thing. Lots more still to come. We'd love to hear from you with Doug and Jess. The number to dial to be on the program, 866-391-1020. Dollar Bank Instant Access, KDK.com. We'll get the latest from CBS Radio News. That's just minutes away on your Sunday morning on KDK. <laughs> Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDKA. All right, 10th caller wins a gift certificate for 25 bucks to Janoski's in Clinton, where Pumpkinland is underway today and every weekend in October begins at 10 o'clock. Number to dial to be on the program, 866-391-1020, Bank Instant Access, KDK.com. Dollar Bank Instant Access, it's from Tom. Friend gave me some Egyptian walking onionscapes a few weeks ago, and I suggested I plant them at the time, which I did. They now have green stock. So should I pick them now, or are they like garlic and die down in the winter and come back next spring? Yeah, they are cool plants, and I'm glad you got some. So you plant the little bulbs that are formed at the top of the stalk. They are a perennial onion, so they will sprout up sometimes in the fall. Just leave them go. Um, Don't harvest them. They'll live like for many, many years in your garden. And what happens, they call them walking onions because that that stalk that comes out the top that makes those mini bulbs on top of it will eventually fall over to the ground and they'll root. And then there'll be a new patch of Egyptian walking onions growing there. And so they kind of walk around your garden like that. So, And then what you can do is because they do grow in a little clump like that, you can just pull a few of the small bulbs out throughout the growing season whenever you need to use them in the kitchen and then leave the rest of them in there to you know, propagate and continue the crop from year to year. So you can use them in the spring or now as just cut those little greens off, like you would harvest garlic greens and use, you know, snip them into soup or salad or something, or you can actually harvest the bulbs or you can eat them raw like Doug does, right? And drive all the vampires away. Uh, But you can also eat the bulb, then just dig them out whenever you need them and use them that way. They're pretty great plants. And I I love that they're a perennial vegetable too, because there's not a whole lot of them out there. And I've, I've seen a lot of, uh, Spring bulbs, spring bunching onions for sale out there. Mm-hmm. You can still put those in. Oh, boy. This season has been this end of the season. This I just love this. I'm putting in all sorts of cool weather crops. It's it's fun. But help me out with this bulb. I had never heard of it before. And when I interviewed uh, Joanne from uh, John Sheepers, she told me about it. It's actually an heirloom. But pronounce that for well, me. Well, I don't know. We were we it's were talking B- about this B-R-O-D-I-A- before the show. B-R-O-D-I-A-S. Brodie, I think maybe Brodie, Brodie, but they their their common name is fool's onions. But if you look at those online uh, at John Sheeper's catalog, they're really cool because they're deer proof. Uh, they have like long wiry stems, and then the the flowers can be just almost anything. Like they have one type that's just like this deep blue. Uh, and then just all sorts of crazy different shapes and forms. And it was like three different uh, plants, and they kind of all put them into this scientific grouping because they're very similar. And, again, I'd never heard of them before. It was something that she... Are they star-shaped flowers? Yeah, they're like little star-shaped flowers. And is there one per flower stalk, or is it like a cluster of them? It's like a cluster, but some are little, like look like more allium Okay. But then there's others that have really weird looking flowers that are, I couldn't even explain. 
So be well, why don't you hook us up with some of those bulbs and we'll experiment? I'm with getting them. some sent to me and oh. I'll I'll report. Can you share? Uh, no, I'll oh. report. I'll report to you how they look next spring. <laughs> it's great that they're deer proof. I wonder though, did the like my problem at my house in the front, especially where we have that rock re- retaining wall, and also in the back, are the chipmunks and the voles. Uh, so anytime I, I plant tulips or crocus, they get eaten. The bulbs themselves get eaten. Uh, they don't eat uh, daffodils, so I always have stuck with daffodils out front. I, but I'd love I, to I find some other ones. I don't know how many I'm getting. So if I get some extra ones, yeah. I will. We, you can try them out there because I'm okay. going to guess that since they are some some way yeah. related to, I think, alliums. Okay. Uh because they don't eat the alums, alliums either, right. obviously, because they're in the onion family and they have a, a very strong odor to them. So, um, yeah. So, anyway, okay, I think we have a caller. We have a few callers. Excellent. Congratulations to Pat from Squirrel Hill, winner of that gift certificate from Janoski's. Let's go to Dan in New Kensington for Doug and Jess. Good morning, Dan. Good morning. What's on your I'd mind, like Dan? Know, I'd like to know uh, what to do with the raspberries over the winter. I've never grown them before. Uh, are they red or black? Uh, they're red. They're red. Okay. Do you know the variety name of them by chance? Uh, they're Everbears. I know that. Okay. They're Everbears. Okay. So you got, yeah. uh, did you get two crops this year, like a spring one and then one later in the season? I uh, just planted them this year and uh, they produced all year and they're still producing now. Great. Great. Oh, lucky you. What's your address? Because I love raspberries. <laughs> He's like, no way am I sharing that, right? Uh, so what you want to do with those, their pruning is a little bit complicated with But first with you wait until the berries are gone, right? I mean, you pick all your berries, right? Yeah, you, you pick well, all the berries. On there now. Continue to pick them. So if the stem has produced berries, so if you can see the evidence of the, the berries haven't been harvested from the end, those stalks, and I would do this, actually not do any pruning on them now. I would wait until March to do your pruning. If the, if the stem produced berries and you have evidence of that, that stem comes all the way back down to the ground because that stem will not produce again. The stems that are have not produced at all, I would suggest that you leave up or cut back halfway because those will be the ones that produce your early crop uh, in the season. And then the new ones next year that come up out of the ground will be what produce your fall crop. Okay. Okay. So in March, yeah. go out any one any stock that has produced berries gets cut all the way down to the ground. Any ones that are already up out of the ground but have not produced berries, you can choose to either leave them long where you'll get one cluster of berries at the end, or you can prune them back halfway and they'll off branch and you'll get, you know, two or three clusters of berries when it off branches. And then the ones that come out of the ground in the spring will be what leave alone because they'll be what produces that fall crop. Yeah, because there's, there's got to buy a lot of offshoots. Yeah, yeah. And those, you know, in many cases, those offshoots, if they haven't fruited this year, they'll be what fruits in the spring or early summer of next year. And if you're nervous about cutting those stems that are there that haven't fruited back halfway, if you're nervous about that, what I might suggest that you do is even get a more staggered harvest by cutting half of them back halfway. So the ones that are left long are going to produce first. Then the ones that were cut halfway will produce a little bit later. And then the ones that come up from the ground will be your fall harvest. Uh, Sounds like you're going to be a raspberry expert. Oh, I like them. They're really tasty. Yes, they are. 
They are, and it's it's great that you have a variety that's so long producing and that uh, and that gives multiple crops. And this late in the season is fantastic. All right, we've got to talk to Tim and Laura Burrow, Nancy and North for sales. We'd love to hear from you as well. 866-391-1020, Dollar Bank Instant Access, KDK.com. It's Doug and Jess, the Organic Gardeners, for another Sunday on KDK. Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This Radio 1020 KDK. All right, Joe and Frank Dentisi in the wings. Get ready to enter Studio K for the Coons Cooking Hour. And today it's all about your favorite Campbell soup recipes. But right now, Doug and Jess continue. And here's Tim in Lower Borough on planting garlic. Good morning, Tim. Yeah, I got an elephant garlic to plant. How deep and how far apart should I plant that? Uh, so for garlic, about one to two inches down and about six inches apart in good soil and be sure it's well-drained. As I said earlier in the show, I talked to another garlic fanatic who lost three-quarters of his crop. Actually, he was almost in tears. He said it was Aww. almost like losing a family member. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Know, his his, wife, was like, his <laughs> wife was like, what's wrong? He's like, my, my garlic. garlic. <laughs> Is uh, it a special and- variety that you got? It's from Burpees. Oh, nice. Okay, cool. Yeah, split it up. Plant the biggest cloves. When the, those small, right. those smaller cloves, leave those for the kitchen. Uh, the bigger the clove, the okay. bigger the bulb. And then, well, these bulbs are like golf size. They're like what size? Golf. Golf we, ball size. Golf okay. ball size. So yeah, yeah split, split it up. Each clove will become a bulb. And so right. those those cloves are planted. You know, like I said, a couple inches down, six inches apart, and then you got to have a nice blanket of straw on top. That makes a big okay. difference, especially if we have a cold winter, and that's all you need to do. You might get some sprouting here with this warm weather as we get into the uh, beginning of winter, but don't worry about it. These things Can happen. Mulch leaves on it. That would good. shredded leaves would be fine. Okay. All right. Thank you. Enjoy the garlic, and then uh, the fun part is next year. You get the greens that start off sprouting with the crocus, and I harvest those little fat ones from the middle. Harvest sparingly so that you're not taking away energy from the bulb. And then if you got a hard neck variety, you get the scape, which is oh, just wonderful. In fact, Sister Trudy, all the sisters were telling me last night that Sister Trudy made uh, my pesto recipe out of the scapes. Nice. I was just so excited that, you know, to pass it on. Then if you leave some of the scapes off the plant, there's enough energy in that stem that the little seed head will form these bulbettes and continue to grow. I think that's an amazing thing in nature, mm-hmm. that it keeps growing without being attached to the plant. And then you pull that garlic. Usually it's about July 15, but this year we were pulling a little early because of uh, uh, because it was uh, the stuff was ready. Another caller? Yes, sir. Let's go to Nancy in North Versailles. Hey, Nancy, how are you? Hi, good morning. Good morning to all. Um, I had a question regarding ladybugs. Uh, maybe at most a year I'll, I'll see 20. Well, Friday I was out on my back porch and I saw 20 all at once. And then yesterday around 4 o'clock or so I went to the garage 
and I stopped counting at 150. Is there something unusual that's happening with ladybugs this year, or uh, why would I see so many? Yeah, you just popped open a big old can of worms for me here <laughs> with the ladybugs. So when you're seeing them, are they on the side of the house and on the yeah. windowsill? Yeah, okay, so those ones that are trying to overwinter in our homes are a species of ladybug called the Asian Multicolored Lady Beetle. They are not a native species of lady beetle, um, although here in North America we have about 450 species of nati- oh, wow. native ladybugs none of them overwinter in your house and mass like that. So the the sad part is that there's been a lot of research done, uh, especially at a Cornell University on the Asian multicolored lady beetle and its effect on our native ladybug uh, populations because the Asian multicolored lady beetle is super aggressive and it's actually out competing our native ladybug species. Mm -hmm. So while ladybugs are very good for the garden and that they help us manage a lot of pests, um, this particular species that comes in overwinters in your house is not necessarily a good guy because we're seeing a decline in so many of our native species because of this competition. Um, So I always say to people, you know, I used to tell them to collect those ladybugs and take them back outside. Now I say suck them up with a vacuum cleaner and throw them out in the garbage because they are really wreaking havoc on our native ladybugs and they certainly don't belong here. Um, They were introduced on purpose to help control citrus scale in the 1800s. So Mm -hmm. um, they've been around here for a long time, but their populations are just uh, booming. And you get that certain day. Oh this yeah! Time of the year. My house. They're all over the front of the house. I was house. at Kentucky Knob once, and they—it they, was just it, yep. unbelievable. Yep. I mean, we're talking tens of thousands yep. of them on like the sides of of yes. big wood yes. structures and yep. stuff. And people think because with the, the the reason they're called Asian multicolored lady beetles, other than the fact they come from Asia, is that they're all different colors. So some of them will be yellow, some will be orange, some will be red, some will be more brownish. They'll have. Sometimes they'll have no spots. Sometimes there'll be two. Sometimes there'll be 16. They're a wide range of appearance. Uh, and so it looks like they're all different species. But that 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 Asian multicolored lady, if they're in your house or collected on the side of your house like that, that is the species that they are. Okay. Yeah. Well, great. I learned something new. I thought, I thought you guys would know, so I'm glad I called. All right. Yeah. Have a great day. Well, thank you. You too. Usually when you see a ladybug, it's good luck, but not in this case. Yeah. And, you know, it's I have mixed feelings because obviously, you know, they're considered to be beneficial, even though they're not a native species because they do control a lot of pests. But... Uh, what Dr. Lucy and his team are finding at Cornell is is really sad, scary stuff. I mean, the nine-spotted ladybug is this New York state insect. And for almost 30 years, nobody had seen a nine-spotted ladybug mm. in the entire state because oh. of the this one insurgence of the Asian multicolored lady beetle. Yeah. Yep. They're very, very aggressive. Who knew ladybugs were aggressive, right? I like to know who the person is. One spot. Two spot, <laughs> three spot. That would be me. I do that. I like to count the spots on the ladybug. You know, I have that much spare time, apparently. Everybody needs a hobby. Yeah. <laughs> what happens if you would connect the dots? Yeah, there you go. That'd be kind of interesting. <laughs> Look, it's Leo. All right, we'll take a break, ladies and gentlemen. Stay with us. It's 7.55. Coming up at 8 o'clock, latest from CBS Radio News, and then Campbell's Soup. What's your favorite Campbell's Soup? Tomato. Me too. Oh my gosh. Chicken noodles That's pretty good. Pressure. Uh, well, I, I actually like cream of broccoli because I can use it in making all kinds of different dishes. I don't eat it like just as a soup, but I use it in casseroles and all that stuff. Do you eat organic? It's the most versatile. Do you, do you eat organic too? As much as I can. Really? Yeah. How about you, Doug? Oh, yeah. As much as I can find it. Why not?
Why wouldn't you? Well, considering the price di- price difference I'm... between like bananas, it's like yeah. twenty cents a pound is the difference. Why not? I mean, Jessica told me that bananas are one of the one of the big crops you want to have organic, mm-hmm. right? Yep, and strawberries too, especially. It's nice yep. to sit so- next to somebody that's so smart. Well, stop hey, talking about Rob. That's very yeah, nice. Yeah, well, it's you nice to, to sit next to you him. too, Jess. Oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> All right, we'll be back. Stay with us, folks. <laughs> Doug and Jessica teach you how to keep it green. The Organic Gardeners. This is Radio 1020 KDK. All right, just enough time for a dollar bank instant access question. We'll get the answer for sure. Ornamental grass, when should you cut it back? This is a great question, and uh, Jess and I do it the same way, but I, I want to remind Jess that one columnist I remember wrote about this saying how ridiculous it was that people would wait until the spring to cut down their ornamental grasses and how terrible it was. But I love to leave mine up. Uh, I leave mine up just because I love the beauty of it. But there's there's other reasons to leave it up too, right? There are. You always want to cut your ornamental grasses down in the spring. Number one, they overwinter better. Number two, it's great habitat for lots of different beneficial insects, our little native bees, butterflies, lady, the good ladybugs, and all kinds of other beneficials. So leave them stand. It creates winter habitat um, for them. And it's gorgeous. They're gorgeous with the snow on them. And some of them turn a beautiful red color in the autumn. Um, and why wouldn't you have that interest in the landscape all what winter long? What time do you usually cut yours back? Usually, usually around March. Sometimes I don't get to it as early as I would like. And it's, you know, maybe early April till I go out and I cut them down. But usually, you know, anywhere between six, eight inches is where you want to cut them back to. And you can even leave up to a foot of stump on there after you cut them down because a lot of them have like a hollow stem. And that's great uh, insect habitat as well. I wanted to quickly tell you about a crime against horticulture. Uh Uh-oh. Where I jog, they have magnolia bushes. And I saw one day the magnolia bush was above the windows. Oh. And the next day I ran by and they were cut in half. And so all the the buds were were gone. They just, it's nobody's fault, really. They just, somebody inside said, hey, those bushes are covering yeah. the windows. And uh, there go their flowers. For yeah, next year. It's, I wish they would have just asked somebody and done it in the spring after they saw those beautiful blooms, because I, I just, I really enjoy those beautiful flowers every year. And it's just, before you make a pruning cut, think about it and do a little bit of research and that that will be uh so so beneficial to the plant and enjoying your garden remember the organic gardeners always aim to create a better place to garden and a safer place to live (sighs) spring is a time of renewal so why not refresh your home with a little help from blinds.com we make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. 
Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.